Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show here. I am Jeff Dean with you this morning from 7 to 9 a.m. every weekday as Tucson's only local sports talk show in the mornings. Right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And uh, glad to be back here with you on another Tuesday morning as we uh, move into week number two of the return of the show. Back to Tucson and uh, getting a lot of good responses from people and uh, some, some nice uh, emails and such. We appreciate that. Thank you very much for the, uh, for the warm welcome back. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. And uh, continue to, you know, just... Hold on, we're we're working on uh, other ways that you can interact with the show. Right now, it is uh, it is just via Twitter. You can always uh, hit me up, follow me on Twitter at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice. Uh, I do have a tweet up there that uh, people are on Twitter at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice. Uh, I do have a tweet up there that uh, people are uh, responding to. If if you want to, it's uh, it's up there and. Basically, it's it's surrounding Pac-12 Media Day, and basically the question is a little, a little role play, a little uh, hypothetical situation. If you were a uh, a reporter, a, a member of the media at Pac-12 Media Day, what is the one question that you would ask of Jed Fish as uh, as an opportunity to uh, to talk to the coach? So go ahead and uh, leave your uh, responses there. You're welcome to uh, join us there and. Uh, uh, we'd love to read some of your responses, even read them on the air if we get a chance to. So uh, head over to at UAZ Voice on Twitter. If you don't have the, the tweet machine, look, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> it, it is it is sometimes a burden more than it is a blessing. Uh, but uh, we, uh, we do have some fun on there, and we'll continue to interact with people there as well. And we're working on email, text, uh, ways that you can interact with the show also. Uh, so we have plenty of stuff to get into today. There are plenty of college football news, especially since we last signed off at about uh, you know at nine o'clock yesterday morning, and the uh, the two schools from the Big Twelve, OU and Texas, had notified the Big Twelve that they were no longer seeking media rights following the 2025 season. Since then, some people have dived into the contract situations with the media, uh, with the media contract with those two. And found out that you can, they can actually buy out, uh, which I talked about yesterday. My number was a lot higher than apparently the number that the Big 12 was throwing out there. Because apparently to the contract, the, the two schools can buy out of that media deal for anywhere between 75 and $80 million. I was putting the number well north of $150 million. I know I said a billion yesterday, but I, that was obviously hyperbole. I was just joking around. Uh, but I, I had kind of expected that number to be around 150 to $200 million, which is still... Chump change for the SEC if they wanted to pass the hat around the SEC offices and uh, uh, take a collection plate and put it together for those two schools to buy out. But, I, I mean, look, those two schools can easily afford the 75 to $80 million. I shouldn't say easily. Those two schools can leverage ways to afford the 75 to $80 million buyout. I know it sounds like a lot of money, but in this day and age, big-time college football, mm, it's, not, it's not a huge amount. It can be, it can be dealt with. So the waiting game continues. As I mentioned, I do think that, that OU and Texas will play an SEC schedule this year, and some have talked about how difficult it would be to assimilate them into the schedule. I just made it real simple yesterday 
look all the all the SEC schools who schedule cupcakes in their second to last week of the season or in the second week of the season can just go ahead and write those checks. Um, let let those other schools find a new opponent for that week using that money, the you know, 750000 800000 however much it's going to cost, to uh, to find a new op- opponent. And OU and Texas will be assimilated into the schedule. The other games to play the nine-game SEC schedule will be, will be taken care of. And that's just the first year is going to be a little bit of chaos. But I think we've seen what people can do when they're motivated to get a football game played, especially over the last year during the COVID protocols and the quarantine, there were uh, there was a lot of moving and shaking going on, especially amongst the SEC and uh, some of the bigger conferences, of course, dealing with their schools. We all know what happened with the Pac-12 last year. There was, uh, there was a ton, a ton of canceled games and, um, you know, obviously a shortened season. But uh, we, we've seen what can happen when people are motivated to play football, and I don't think it would be much of a problem for the SEC to put their collective heads together and figure out a way to get that schedule done. But we'll continue to, to monitor that as the situation gets closer and closer to the kickoff of the football season. Speaking of college football, it is Pac-12 Media Day in Los Angeles today. There are uh, 11 coaches in attendance, 12 uh, the 12th coach, Nick Rolovich, head coach of Washington State, will be participating via uh, teleconference or Zoom, if you will, because he has uh, notified the Pac-12 that he is not willing to disclose his medical status as far as is he vaccinated or is he not vaccinated. Probably means he's not vaccinated, but we don't want to assume anything because that's his right to keep that information private. So Nick Rolovich will be uh, We'll be attending the the conference today via a Zoom. And it'll be interesting to see what George Klyavkov, new commissioner of the Pac-12, has to say in his opening statements. Some of the things that, that I believe will be discussed today, obviously the NIL, uh, the, the new name, image, and likeness protocols, and I shouldn't say protocols, but I guess um, the expansion of NIL, I guess, uh, the introduction of NIL, I'm sure that he will be, uh, discussing some of the things that the Pac-12 is doing for its players in the, NI, in the in the region of NIL, I do believe that he will also address the the COVID vaccination policies and expectations. I know that I I, I read a report. I think it was either last night or this morning. Um, sometimes they kind of blend together because there's only a few hours between last night and this morning. I I, I think it said that all of the member schools currently in the Pac-12 have an 80% vaccination rate on the football teams. So the football programs are all 80% or greater, which is amazing. It's also not surprising. Look, this is this is the Pac-12. These are research universities. A lot of them are very highly regarded medical research uh, universities, including University of Arizona. And with the the people that are drawn to these types of uh, these campuses, as well as the amount of information that is out there for people and the resources that are out there for, let's say, football players to go and gather the information that they need, go and talk to someone on campus, talk to a friend. Chances are the football players have someone they know that is in one of the medical research schools or programs, 
and maybe they have reached out and talked to them. Regardless, I am not surprised. In fact, I would not be surprised at all if by the time the season begins that every football team in the Pac-12 is 90% plus in uh, vaccination uh, rate. So that's that's good. To, I mean, obviously it's great. Uh, it's great news because that's putting that shield up and keeping uh, keeping anyone safe from – it won't keep them from contracting the, the COVID-19 virus as we found out yesterday that 17 NFL players and executives, uh, people associated with the teams, even though they are vaccinated, have contracted the virus within the last couple of weeks. So it just, it just like I said, the analogy yesterday that I used, even though you're wearing a bulletproof vest, you still get hit by the bullets. Yes, they're just the lethality of those bullets is extremely mitigated, um, which is essentially what the COVID-19 vaccine is doing for some people. So, um, so I think a 90% vaccination rate, I think, is is easy to to attain uh, for the Pac-12 schools. Other conferences will probably have more difficulty reaching those types of lofty numbers. But I think here in the Pac-12, that's fine. Um, also, I think George Klyavkov will also be discussing future media deals, ways for these schools to increase their revenue. I hope that he has some kind of an idea as to whether or not the the conference has something in the works for the Pac-12 uh, for the Pac-12 uh, uh, network to be able to be seen by more than just twelve people. <laughs> you know, I still tell this story all the time. We were we were in um, which which city were I can't remember. Where we were. I was on the road with with the basketball team. We were I don't remember which city we were in. Maybe we might have been – that might have been the NorCal trip. It might have been the Cal-Stanford trip. And I remember Larry Scott was in town. He was entertaining some dignitaries, and they had decided to go out. They decided to go out to watch the big basketball game that was going on that night. And he arrived – and this, was, this is in the Bay Area, okay? They're in the Bay Area, you know, San Francisco area. They go to a restaurant-slash-bar, and Larry Scott – trying to impress these, whomever, these executives, dignitaries who were with him, says, uh, hey, can we get the Pac-12 network on? We want to watch the basketball game. And the person basically you know, retorted him and said, yeah, we don't, we don't have uh, access to the Pac-12 network because we only have you know, such and such. We only have DirecTV. Uh, he's like, okay. So they went somewhere else. Now, this story was told to me by someone who was essentially covering Larry Scott's you know, every move essentially was kind of attached to him. Um, they went to another establishment. They asked them to put on the Pac-12 network for the game. And the person, I don't know if it was a manager or something, looked at him and says, I don't, I don't know what you mean. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was quite possibly the most embarrassing thing that could possibly happen to Larry Scott. And yet nothing changed, obviously, as we know. That was... I think that was four years ago that that happened, and nothing changed since then, and hopefully something will change under the new regime. And I also wonder if Klyavkov is going to address any information or any news, any plans about possibly moving the Pac-12 headquarters as well, because Klyavkov, of course, made his big splash in Vegas, and I think it would it would behoove the, the Pac-12 to, if they were trying to, save some money because the millions of dollars they're spending on rent in that building 
in San Francisco is a waste. Uh, you know, northern Northern California is a waste, in my opinion. There are what was it? The the numbers that the Pac-12 spends in rent. It would it would take the like the SEC building costs. It would it would take the SEC three years to equal that number or something like that. It was some ridiculous number, like something stupid. Uh, just you know, move the headquarters to to Las Vegas. It's fine. It's everybody's jet setting now. Uh, it's a quick flight over to Vegas. It's really not an issue, and I don't think it would be met with any real resistance from people moving from Walnut Creek, California to Las Vegas. Uh, I think a lot of things are naturally moving to Las Vegas. It's starting to become a hub for a lot of different uh, businesses and ventures and industries, and I think it would be a natural move for the Pac-12 to move there as well. Now, things when you're talking about at Pac-12 Media Day, if you're if you're not speaking with George Klyakov, if you're talking about other types of, of stories that are going to be at Pac-12 Media Day, pretty sure that there's going to be quite a bit of a buzz around the Arizona State table. Herm Edwards and his players that are there, they are, I'm sure they're going to be fielding a ton of questions about the NCAA investigation, which, again, is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be an exercise in futility if you're a member of the media, media showing up to ask Herm Edwards or Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, about the NCAA violations. They're going to be programmed to, to say one thing and one thing only when, when responding to that question, and that's going to be it. I'd really, really be surprised if Herm Edwards says anything outside of a programmed response uh, in regards to, to that type of a question. As far as Jed Fish goes, I'm very, obviously, very uh, interested to hear what he has to say um, about Arizona football and his time at Arizona. And as I mentioned, if you want to interact on Twitter, at UAZ Voice, I put it out there. Look, let's, uh, let's, let's have some fun today. If you were a member of the media at Pac-12 Media Day, what's the one question you want to know the answer to from Coach Jed Fish? I think my question would be, I mean, he obviously he hasn't been here very long. He hasn't even played a game. My question would be this, and, and it's, been, it's been an issue for Arizona for quite some time. And whether fans here locally don't want to believe it or not, Arizona, University of Arizona football, is not the destination that many people believe that it is. So my question to Jed Fish would be, how are you making Arizona football the right destination for the young men that you're recruiting? What is it that you're doing to instill trust in them to let them know that Arizona is a safe and progressive place for to play football and somewhere that you want to be and spend the next three to four years uh, of your of your pre-football career if you, do, you decide that you want to go on to the next level and play at the professional level at, at some uh, some point or at, at some particular level of the professional ranks. Why would they choose Arizona? What are you doing to instill that confidence in them that they're making the right choice to come to Tucson, Arizona, to play football. Because, let's be honest, right now, if you look at the rankings from both 247 and from Rivals, if you look at just Pac-12 rankings based on the recruits for the 2022 class that have already committed, okay, and again, these are all verbal commits, there's, there's National Signing Day is a long ways away. 
but they're number three ranked in the conference right now. <laughs> so, and if you if you look at the strides that were made, and I talked about it last week, the strides that were made between the Sumlin class of 2021 and the Fish class of 2022, Sumlin class was ranked 78th in the country. The Fish class already is is ranked 43 in the country, and it's getting better. <laughs> they're you know they're 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 interesting new kids and new recruits and higher uh, higher profile recruits every single day. And you got guys like Noah Fafita out there that are also helping the recruiting trail. He's out there tweeting and and doing what he you know what he what he's what is expected of him. You know he's a he's a high highly influential player in the 2022. Uh, class and uh, there's a lot of a lot of other players out there, four star, five star players that would like to play with Noah Fafita, and he's doing his uh, his best job of recruiting out there and and uh, cheerleading for the Arizona Wildcats, and we're we're thankful for that, and I think it will produce some other players like 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 when I knew Solomon when he committed uh, to Rich Rod's program here and created a lot of excitement, and then Anu went on to play. And of course, you know that uh, you know the high school showcase game, and showed out in that game, scored two touchdowns, and players just loved playing with and for Anu Solomon. So when he started saying, "Hey, come join me here," a slew of guys came and and wanted to play in this program, and uh, obviously, it resulted in that Fiesta Bowl berth in the game against Boise State. And you know, playing on New Year's Day is never ever a bad thing, and I think a lot of that was due in part because of a news commitment to the program and, of course, the job that Rich and his staff was doing at the time. So we'll talk some Pac-12 media day um, throughout, the, uh, throughout the show today. There will be some, some news. I know that the media, the media poll is out already. Um, I saw the media poll. It, it's exactly what we expected. The media voted, and they've picked Oregon to win the North, Washington receiving a couple of first-place votes, followed by Cal Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State in the sixth position. The South was a little more contentious. Four different programs receiving first-place votes. USC receiving the most. They received 27 of the first-place votes for the South Division Championship, followed by Utah, who received six. Arizona State also received six. UCLA receiving one vote. Then Colorado picked to finish fifth, and Arizona picked to finish sixth. Arizona, consequently, received the fewest number of points in the media poll. Um, again, if you if you know me and, and you are have you if you followed me on Twitter, if you if you're familiar with my stance on media polls, the the only time that I will mention this is a when it comes out, and b at the end of the season when I point out just how wrong all of these people were, because it happens every single year every single year the media polls are pointless they're worthless um i really don't care what the media's assessment of the of the football conference is i don't care the basketball i mean i I really don't care we make our own assessments we take the time here on the jeff dean show and uh, you know on my twitter and, and if you know if you follow and whatnot and you're gonna you'll find out look we do our we do our own thing here uh, we're going to analyze in different ways. We're going to look at some different things. And, yeah, there's going to be a little heart and soul poured into there. You know, I had I, – I, I know I had Arizona upsetting, and I, I was touting it all last year. 
I had Arizona upsetting USC in the opening game of the season, and damn, it nearly happened, man. It nearly happened. They almost beat USC in that opener. I just felt like the team was ready for a big win. And then after that, things started to go south, and then the the coaching staff quit, and the rest of the players quit, and then it was obviously what we saw at the end of the year. When we do things our own way here, we don't follow what the – what the regular media does. And, yes, the media picked Arizona to finish last. Would I be surprised if Arizona finishes last in the division? No, I wouldn't be. It's a very talented division. It's a very tough division. You look at the coaches. You look at the players. The history of some of the programs in this division, it's going to be very difficult for Arizona to move out of that number six spot that they're slated in right now. Do I think they're the worst team in the conference? No, I don't. I think – Arizona is capable of beating several teams in this conference on any given day. And we'll get a first look at that, of course, today at Pac-12 Media Day. Some other things that are going on in sports. Aaron Rodgers has landed in Green Bay. We will definitely get into that. NFL training camps open today. We'll talk some Cardinals depth charts and uh, some interesting news from Patrick Peterson, who's clapping back at the Arizona Cardinals for not wanting to pay their defensive players, even though, Seven of the ten ten highest-paid players on the Cardinals currently play on the defensive side of the ball. And we'll talk some Olympics as some vast disappointment in Tokyo for the U.S. women's Olympic uh, gymnastics team coming out this morning as well. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. And the back-to-school shopping spree that we've got going on, want to tell you all about that because it's going to give you a chance to win a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree with the stu- uh, school just around the corner. We want to make sure that you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. You can register once a day through August 9th, and you can get all the info, and you can register through our website at ESPNTucson.com. More after this, it's the Jeff Dean Show. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, Aaron Rodgers has landed in Green Bay, complete with the uh, a T-shirt. I don't understand. I don't. I don't get the reference. I, you know, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I don't have time to watch TV. It's a, he's wearing a shirt with, from the office with a guy in a bowl of chili. I don't know. I don't know what it all means. Anyway, he arrived uh, at uh, at Green Bay at Lambeau Field today, complete with man bun and sandals. <laughs> yes. A man bun. His hair got pretty long uh, during the uh, during the off season, apparently. And it appears that uh, he is ready to report to camp. Now, I know that a lot of people have speculated that whether he would, you know, be on the field today or not, he'd be charged fifty, fined fifty thousand dollars, yada yada yada. But here's what we know about everything that happened over the past three or four days. Okay. Now, up until I'm going to say Sunday. Up until Sunday, Aaron Rodgers was not going to be showing up to Green Bay to to participate in their camp. Something's changed in that time that has gotten him to be at least agreeable enough to show up and, you know, to wow everyone with his star status or look at me or whatever. Look, let me just paraphrase, prephrase everything that I'm saying, that I'm going to say here with this statement that I believe that Aaron Rodgers has become a sideshow 
and a diva, and I do believe that it's going to hurt his team more than it is going to help them. And there are very good reasons why, which I'm about to explain. Now, though the deal has not been done, whatever they've agreed to do or agreed to talk about has at least gotten Aaron in the building. Here's what is being reported of the conditions that are are being discussed between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Number one, the 2023 year in Rodgers' contract, which he just signed last year, by the way, um, the last one, which is the, the last year of his current deal, 2023, would be voided, and they would be they would be disallowed from any tags. So they would not be able to franchise tag him, uh, you know, as would rarely happen with quarterbacks, but um, they would not be able to tag him in any way. The Packers have agreed to review Rodgers' situation at the end of this season, basically saying, like, we're going to go to him after the season's over and determine if he's happy or not. We're going to see and ask Aaron, Aaron, are you happy? Did we do enough to make you happy? Would you like to stay here for another year or another two years? Would you like to sign a, a, a new contract with us? Did we do whatever it took to meet your expectations and your needs? It's almost like it's like being at the at the car dealership. You ever had that situation where the car dealership and they give you that spiel, like that preloaded, rehearsed, pre-recorded type of little speech, where they say, "If what you're saying is correct and you uh, can afford this payment of four hundred and seventy-five dollars per month, and I've met your all of your expectations and exceeded your you know and this and this, then you'd be willing to sign right here and take that vehicle home with you today, right? That you, it, most people that have bought a new car have heard this." Uh, this ridiculous statement that they always give you, regardless of where you go. The Packers would walk up to Aaron Rodgers like, if we have met your expectations and exceeded your ideals of what we can do and how we can help you, let's let's not mistake what happened here. The Packers, who, in my opinion, held all the cards in this particular situation, decided to just completely bend over for Aaron Rodgers, and they they just decided to let Aaron Rodgers have their way with them, or have his way with them. So the Packers are going to review Rodgers' happiness at the end of the season. Now, Rodgers' contract would be adjusted with no loss of income so that the Packers can have more room to sign, let's say, Devontae Adams, right? And, of course, there will be ne- mechanisms put in place to ad- address Rodgers issues with the team. Now, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers went 13 and 3 last year. He was the league MVP. They were a couple, I mean, basically one kind of blown coverage, a dropped two-point conversion and just kind of not I don't want to say a fluke play, but a, a good, a well-executed play that never should have gone for a touchdown in any sense of of a championship type of situation. Uh, from being and playing in the Super Bowl, right? Playing against Patrick Mahomes and the, the, the matchup that we wanted to see, the, I guess the second matchup they wanted to see was Aaron Rodgers and the Packers versus the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes as opposed to Brady and the Bucks. So all of that being said, 
Okay, you got the number one receiver in the in the NFL. Led the team in receptions, yards, touchdowns. Scored 80, 18 touchdowns last year to Devontae Adams. They went out and they signed some guys in the offseason. They improved their their depth chart. They've got one of the best left tackles in the NFL, and David Bakhtiari. The defense was good enough. I believe he was eighth, ranked eighth overall in the NFL last year, which is pretty darn good. All of that being said, and apparently Aaron Rodgers' key to winning a Super Bowl is Randall Cobb. Yeah, if you hadn't heard about this, this is the, the hot story coming out of this. Trey Wingo, uh, of all people, was actually the first person to drop this information. He dropped it on Twitter last night. It was like around 1030, I think, uh, that he dropped this information. first person to, to even mention this was that the main stipulation in Rodgers' return to the Packers was that they trade for Randall Cobb and bring him back to the Packers. 30-year-old wide receiver now in Houston, Randall Cobb, all of that. Great season last year, moments away, one flicker of a, of a, of a play away from being in the Super Bowl against what looked to be a completely overmatched Kansas City Chiefs team. They barely showed up for the Super Bowl game. And all you needed all this time was Randall Cobb? <laughs> what in the world is going on? So Aaron Rodgers held 52 players at ransom. Well, I shouldn't say 52, 51. Devontae Adams seemed happy to go along with it all. 51 players at ransom. Countless coaches and staff members and fans of the Packers. The millions of fans of the Green Bay Packers because of Randall Cobb. Are you kidding me right now? David Bakhtiari, left tackle, okay? Tackles and quarterbacks supposed to go hand in hand. It's supposed to be best friends. I protect your backside. You help us win. You make me money. Everybody's happy. It's a, it's a cyclical type of, of friendship there. David Bakhtiari tweeted yesterday, I guess I'm, I'm not as close of people with Aaron as I thought. Tweeted that yesterday, deleted it, tweeted it, then deleted it. Basically saying that because the reports are coming from people close to Aaron Rodgers that he's going to report, yada, yada, yada. David Bakhtiari's like, I haven't heard from him. I haven't talked to him, haven't heard from him. Apparently he doesn't care. And tweeted out basically stating that I guess I thought I was closer to Aaron than we really are. The division has begun inside the Packers' locker room. Aaron Rodgers made it about him, not about the team. And in the NFL, that never works out well for you. Ask Terrell Owens how that worked out for him. One of the greatest receivers in the history of the NFL and a social pariah amongst NFL players, coaches, staffs, teams. Aaron Rodgers going right down that path and making no shame about it. Join ESPN Tucson 104.9 FM and 1490 AM this Thursday, July 29th from 3 to 6 p.m. as we celebrate National Chicken Wing Day at Fire Truck Brewing Company. Ali, uh, Spears and Ali will be broadcasting live from the event at the Fire Truck Brewing Company. Fire Truck Brewing is fireman-owned. I approve of that. Yes, double thumbs up, family of firefighters here. And there are lots of firehouse-approved recipes on the menu, which probably means like, chili and 
whatever else they can piece together uh, at the grocery store in their 30 minutes to go shopping for their meals. You can enjoy an ice-cold draft beer to go along with those hot wings. More information at ESPNTucson.com. When we return, more NFL news and some breaking news out of Tokyo in the Olympics. If you're, uh, if you're you know, spoiler alert coming up. If you're uh, not prepared for spoilers, you want to watch this stuff live, although I don't know why you would do that anymore. But nonetheless, spoiler alert ahead, some, some news coming out of Tokyo. Talk about that and more next on the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. We got some uh, Tucson Sugar Skulls tickets coming up in just a little bit. Be listening for that. We'll take calls, and um, you know, whatever caller we decide is going to be the winner of a pair of tickets to go see the Tucson Sugar Skulls play uh, there in Tucson coming up. So stay tuned for that as uh, it could happen any moment. So be ready. We'll, we'll talk more about the Aaron Rodgers situation in hour number two. There's plenty more I want to get into about this whole thing and the pressure on on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers to make this thing a championship run this year. Uh, the comparison to, of course, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen made by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, which I think is foolhardy and ridiculous. There are plenty of – I have plenty of opinions about how this has all gone down and how I believe it will be the undoing of the Green Bay Packers this year. But we'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. Right now, spoiler alert, everybody, if you're, if you're an Olympic watcher and you've been wanting to keep tabs on these things live and you've been trying to keep Olympic news out of your notifications and off the radio and stuff, good luck, by the way. But I'm giving you the official spoiler alert disclaimer right now, okay? So you have been warned. I continue. Simone Biles struggled mightily earlier on in qualifying. We discussed how, and and I even mentioned, she didn't look right. It wasn't about physically. She mentally looked checked out. Like she was making mistakes that veterans and people of, of her athletic prowess, okay, just don't make unless you've got something else going on. There was something else going on with Simone Biles earlier on in her trials at in Tokyo as being heralded the greatest gymnast of all time, um, okay? And she certainly had that opportunity to cement that legacy in Tokyo this year, but that is gone now. It's, it's over. It's gone. She, she bowed out. She withdrew from the Olympic team final today. She uh, performed a vault where she's supposed to do like a, like a I don't, I don't know the terms, okay, so please forgive me. She's supposed to basically like tumble onto the, the little springboard thing, okay, hit the table and then do a two and a half. She did a one and a half, landed it awkwardly, turned around, immediately walked off, and was distraught emotionally over everything that had happened, okay. She was upset about her performance. I don't know. But this was – Something it's it, it's been happening over and over and over again in this particular uh, Olympics for Simone Biles. They wrapped her leg. She was talking with team trainers. They wrapped her leg. Uh, well, it was her right leg uh, that they wrapped up, 
and said that she was going to be withdrawing because of an injury. And then someone from the U.S. Olympic team went over to uh, an official, an Olympic official or somebody, and said that she had withdrawn because of mental issues. There was nothing physically wrong. But now it's being reported that the USAG has now said, no, no, it was a physical, it was an injury-type issue. I'm calling BS on that. I could see it in her face three days ago that she was not mentally prepared to be competing in these Olympics. Now, what are the reasons? Look, folks, it's been a really difficult year for a lot of people, a lot of people, specifically Americans. And I'm talking people here in our home country. Very, very difficult year, not to mention because of the COVID, uh, you know, the, the COVID quarantine and all the stresses, things that go in with that. The social division of our country has been prevalent in many, many areas and for many, many reasons and topics. And there's just been a lot going on. There's been a lot of hatred, a lot of divisiveness among the people, the American people. And it's been very difficult, especially for people who are in the spotlight, Americans who are representing this country at the Olympics. It's going, it's going to be difficult for them. I don't know if the moment was too big for her. I don't know if that was the case because certainly she has been in these types of moments before. She's a five-time gold medalist. She's been in these situations before. She's been in the spotlight. She's been the one that's been counted upon to bring home gold for our girls. And maybe this time with the basically everybody just had written it off as the women are going to win. Simone Biles is going to be the greatest of all time. And the the hyperbole that was thrust upon her was just too much. The amount of praise, the amount of expectations were just too much. I don't know if that's the case. And I do not want to presume anything with her situation of why it appeared that she was mentally not ready, mentally not prepared to compete in these Olympics. Perhaps it's the general malaise that we have seen and witnessed from the American public regarding these Olympics. Maybe Simone Biles just deep down didn't believe that these Olympics should be happening right now amid all of the concerns across the world, specifically in Japan, where the vaccination rate is so low and the threat of catching COVID is extremely high. Now, if Simone Biles is vaccinated, again, she shouldn't have a whole lot to worry about, but nonetheless, it's still something. I I know a lot of people who have tested positive for COVID who got sick, many of them got very, very, very ill, okay? And I do know of some people that unfortunately have perished uh, from the uh, from the from the virus so there's a there's nobody wants to have that positive test right i got i've been tested a bunch of times was extremely thankful and relieved when i got the message that it was negative right because nobody wants to test positive for covid-19 so there's there's that threat as well i don't know what the issue was but there was definitely an issue mentally with simone biles and that's why she withdrew from the team final. And it may a mental breakdown may have led to a physical injury. You know, that happens all the time. We see it all the time in the NFL. When guys play to not get hurt, what happens? They get hurt. They, they, in their mind, they're like, I can't get hurt. 
I need to stay healthy. I got a contract negotiations coming up, and then bang, there goes the ACL. They're not paying attention. They're not playing hard like the other 21 guys on the field, and they get hurt. Happens all the time. So the United States, without Simone Biles, now has to take on the ROC, and we're going to get into that too. And they they lost. The, the 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 women's gymnastics team is going to bring home a silver from the Tokyo Olympics, which is a massive disappointment. And they got crushed, folks. It wasn't even close. They lost by more than three points in in gymnastics. That's <laughs> that's a a massive massive chasm. Uh, they were eight tenths of a point away, which is still a pretty good sized margin uh, to be behind in gymnastics. But they were eight tenths of a, of a point behind uh, the ROC, the Russian Olympic uh, Committee, or whatever they're called, uh, when Simone Biles withdrew, and then they got smoked. It did not go well for the reserves. Uh, Jordan Childs, who stepped in, she fell, I believe, off the balance beam, and things did not go well. Uh, in fact, from what I heard and what I read. The gymnastics team was lucky. I was I was prepping for the show. I couldn't watch the the Olympic. I couldn't watch it because prepping. I'm I'm got my nose deep in paperwork here, and I'm trying to prepare. I couldn't I couldn't actually watch what was going on. They were lucky to get a silver, from what I read. Uh, and Great Britain was able to bring home the bronze, which is a huge surprise. They never medal in women's gymnastics. So Simone Biles out. What is her legacy going to look like? Um, I, I've seen on Twitter the vitriol already. It makes me sick, people calling her a failure, a quitter, a traitor. I, I, just, it's stupid. Stop. Be better. Okay. Obviously, there's something going on with this young lady in her life, mentally, emotionally. It's time to embrace the person and not the athlete in situations like this. And we need to be a little more caring of people and humanity. Because saying things like, you're a traitor, you're a failure, you're a quitter, is what's gotten us to this point probably a lot of the reason why there are these emotional and mental stresses on people like Simone Biles in the spotlight, big-time athletes representing Americans because she knows that there's a bunch of, sp- of hate being spewed at her, people looking at her and hoping that she fails. It's sad, but it's time to embrace the human being and not the athlete. That, that part's over with. Okay, She withdrew. It's over um, regardless of, of, of what happened. She uh, she decided that, that was best for her, that she could no longer continue. She wasn't going to continue to hurt her team, and she was hurting her team out there. Let's make no mistakes about it. She was bad. Okay. She decided to withdraw. The team ends up bringing home silver, which, again, is a big disappointment, but still good. I mean, you know, we're, we're happy, and, uh, and they should be celebrated for all the hard work that they've put in and, and all the trials and tribulations they've gone through to get there. Again, we got Sugar Skulls tickets coming up sometime in the next hour or so. Um, and then uh, we've got uh, plenty more things to talk about. We've got um, some basketball, U.S. men's basketball. Is their time over? Do they need to completely redo the U.S. men's basketball team and rethink whatever it is they're doing? Why are they, why are they losing games? Why have they lost three of their last four games uh, and are in, in jeopardy of not even making it out of the preliminary round in Tokyo? And we'll continue to talk some football. And we got some baseball hot stove, of course, as the uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline coming up. Uh, a big trade was made yesterday that sent a player from the Pirates over to the Padres. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. 
Still a lot more to get into here. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Well, as expected, Twitter responses to my question, my my hypothetical, my role play of being a member of the media at Pac-12 Media Day, uh, asking people, look, I'm not surprised, uh, asking the fans, if you were a member of the media at Pac-12 Media Day, what's the one burning question that you would ask of Jed Fish? And immediately it has turned into, well, we should talk to Herm Edwards about this. We need to ask Herm Edwards, and the questions need to be asked about this. And if you're not asking the questions, you're not doing your job. Okay, fine. If you want to be that person that believes that the media is just more impactful by asking questions that get reactions from people as opposed to those who ask questions who get actually get answers from people, then you will continue to get a door slammed in your face. Okay? Nothing, nobody there is going to answer any questions about NCAA investigations. You should have learned your lesson over the last, mm, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, however long you've been in this business. You should know by now. As soon as you bring up NCAA investigation, the immediate the person you were asking the question to immediately shuts that door and gives you their programmed response from the media relations department, the compliance department at the university. That's it. Stop asking questions to get reactions out of people and start asking questions that will actually get us some usable information. Stop wasting our time. Stop wasting people's oxygen. God, I'm tired of this, man. I'm so tired of the irresponsible media out there. Knock it off. All right, now I'm a little fired up. That's usually good for hour number two. We'll see what happens. We'll kick over some rocks and get me more fired up. Get hour number two coming up here on the Jeff Dean Show. Stick around right here at 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Let's go. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.